0: Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by ShareBird and Clue. This show is all about establishing product marketing and what it takes to be the first product marketer at a company. I'm your host, JD Prater. On today's episode, I'm chatting with the director of marketing at Afresh, which I'm really excited for if you've never heard of. But before we get into it, I want to give a quick shout out to Clue. They are the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive revenue for their business. It helps product marketers just like you to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that will enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. Head over to clue.com to learn more. That's K-L-U-E.com to learn more. And don't forget to check out that job board on the ShareBird website. There are a lot of great roles out there right now. And you can also reach out to ShareBird if you're interested in new opportunities via email at recruiting at ShareBird.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Michelle, you've been recently promoted director of product marketing at Afresh, which you've just joined and under a year ago. Talk to me about joining Afresh. Like what drew you to the company?
1: I have, and actually, just director of marketing. Oh,
0: just marketing. Wow. (laughs) Not even product marketing. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, Like you are overseeing everyone. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and so what attracted me to Afresh, and there are several factors I can break down here. I think first, starting at the macro level, you know, last year during COVID, I think it really put a spotlight on the grocery industry and the essential work that they were doing, as well as some of the flaws in the supply chain. I mean, you know, how many times did you read about empty shelves in grocery store? And that actually was the first time I really thought about that. I just had taken it for granted for so long, and you know, during during COVID, I was getting more interested about food, learning more about food systems because I was just cooking a lot more at home and started getting interested in getting even closer to food. And, you know, even prior to COVID, there was this other interesting macro trend where uh, tech was increasingly coming into grocery. You know, Amazon bought Whole Foods a couple years back. Amazon was opening up its own brick and mortar retail stores. And as I started learning more about the problem, I realized that this was an industry that historically has been underserved by tech and where even at large major grocery retailers, people were still ordering with pen and paper in their fresh departments, which is crazy if you think about the amount of items that are in a produce department, the amount of variables that can impact fresh produce. So in a lot of ways, the problem of fresh is solving, if you will pardon the pun, the opportunity was ripe for solving oh, it. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> yes. Director of marketing right here. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you, can, you can edit
1: out the pun if you want to. No.
0: Oh, it's good. We're keeping that one.
1: (laughs) And so I found a fresh and the company mission looked awesome. Being able to tie product marketing work to something as big and as powerful and impactful as reducing food waste is motivating in and of itself. And so combining the macro factors with the mission and through very lengthy conversations with the team, I learned how well the product was working, how much customers loved it, the types of results that they were driving, and just that they were willing to spend that much time with me meant a lot. And the next step down from that is what's the role I was looking at, and I was debating between taking a more lead role at a smaller startup or going to a big place to get that experience because I've actually kind of been in series B of historically joined companies at the series B stage and seen them grow. And in the end after evaluating everything, the starting from scratch won out. I really like the building stage as evidenced by my time at WePay and then Sift, but I'd never been in quite at ground level. And this was a great opportunity to do it. So I guess laying the groundwork for getting that director position, I came in, I even interviewed very much with the ambition to say, you know, I'd really like to see how this could get me on a path to getting this director level title. And that's just what I came in with. That was the goal I set for myself and that I outlined to Matt, the CEO.
0: That's pretty cool. So I mean, what I'm hearing is three piece. I like this. It's what is the problem? what's the product, and then who are the people, right? So Mm -hmm. who is this team that's ultimately solving this? And Afresh ticked all of those boxes for you. What I would love, can you just give us like a quick primer on what Afresh is doing, just for those that aren't familiar?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Fresh reduces food waste with purpose-built solutions to help grocers place the perfect order in their Fresh departments. And to to set some context on the problem, because I don't think it's a problem people are well aware of, about a third of food in the United States goes to waste. And about 30 to 40% of that happens at the retail level, if you look at the supply chain. And like I mentioned, a lot of grocery stores are still relying on pen and paper for ordering or relying on legacy solutions to place these orders. And the result of that is excessive food waste because they're bringing things into the store that just gets thrown away, which also translates into lost profits. So the good news is we have the technology, right? So we've got AI. And so by applying AI to this solution or to this problem, we're able to help grocers We augment grocer intelligence and really help them place orders that optimize for in-stock rates and make sure that they're ordering just the right amount of food at the right time, which means less waste, more profits, and even fresher food for customers because food is going from truck to shelf instead of sitting in a back room and over-ripening over time.
0: Wow. That's so cool. I mean, for me, it kind of reminds me of like one thing I really love that I'm picking on Home Depot here, but Home Depot will tell you if something is in stock and then they'll mm-hmm. tell you like what aisle and bin number, right? So I know where to go in the store. And yeah. then I see a parallel here of like that kind of technology is leading to that. Wow. Maybe I'll never get on Whole Foods website and say like, are blueberries in right now? My mm-hmm. local store, but who knows? Maybe it'll be the future.
1: But in some ways you do in a little bit, if you've ever placed an order online for a grocery, right? Instacart or something like that, you are kind of doing that. And we're actually helping solve that problem because inventory in Fresh is notoriously hard. So to give you just one example, a lot of times food produce comes in by pound, but it's sold by each's or it's sold by pound by weight, right? Comes in by weight, sold by weight. But there are some problems like lettuce, for example. Lettuce is literally evaporating on the shelf. So what you get in with lettuce is not what goes out. So there are all these like minor nuances with, you know, pick any piece of produce. And it's really hard for a human to make those decisions on their own. Even the most experienced produce manager just like can't calculate how fast the lettuce. Is evaporating, right? And compare that to historical sales and forecasting demand. And that's really a place where technology can step in to help solve the problem.
0: So I want to dive into all this because it's like, why are we talking about a fresh, right? But mm-hmm. what I want to highlight here is you've, you've been there for just under a year. And what I'm impressed by is your knowledge of the food industry. I'm impressed by your knowledge of the tech and how it's solving that problem. And I know that a lot of PMMs, you look at these job descriptions and like must be five years experience in ag tech or in Mm -hmm. food supply chain. But like you don't have that. Right. And so how did you catch up? Like how did you get up to speed in the last year on Mm -hmm. the problem, the solution, your customer as a good PMM would do?
1: Yeah. So I mean, even before joining, I wanted to research the problem pretty thoroughly. And like I touched on, right, like the three things that I evaluate any company on are the problem. One, like, is it interesting? And is it in some ways essential? Two, does the product that the company built actually solve that problem? And finally, what does the team look like? So I did some groundwork research and then coming in like right away, I'm like, okay, give me grocery 101. Like, tell me everything you know about the industry, point me to any resources you have so that I can just read them and absorb them. We also have a team of some great advisors and board members who are seasoned executives. So I just asked for one-on-one time with them and came with my list of questions. And honestly, there was just a little bit of like, hey, I'm going to walk into the grocery store and talk, hey, like, are you the produce manager? Can you tell me a little bit more about your job and your day to day. So it was a mix of, I don't know, I don't want to call it academic, but it definitely was just sitting and reading, like getting the books out of the library, going to the produce associations that we were a part of. And that I knew that our target audience would be a part of. And yeah, I think one of the benefits of my audience is I kind of know where they are, right? So I can yeah. just walk into my local grocery store and just try to strike up a conversation.
0: That's really cool. I think it's just something that we get a lot, right? As a product marketing manager and, you know, you're coming in as a lead. So whenever you're coming in, right, what were some of the groundwork things that you were working on? What were some of those first challenges that you're like outside of knowledge, which you've tackled? I think that's a great one that we can kind of tick off. What were some of those other foundational elements that you put into place?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing and essential for product marketing coming in as a function is just crisping up the messaging, really crystallizing it. And I think one of the things that I noticed just coming in right away with a Fresh is I think a lot of times, especially at smaller places, you're kind of trying to dig for the story and you're trying to dig for like what's resonating and what's important and what you need to translate. With Fresh, it actually was the opposite in which there was an embarrassment of riches, right? (laughs) The co-founders were clearly experts in the space. you know, they'd spent thousands of hours in stores and thousands of hours with customers, just like understanding the pain points and building this product purpose-built. But the result was just this sprawling landscape of notion docs where there were, here's anecdotes, here anecdotes, here's numbers, numbers, numbers. And it really was about looking through all of those things and distilling it down to like, okay, what's actually really important to our audience. And also another challenge was, you know, we're an AI company, we're talking to a non-technical audience largely, like how do we get rid of the jargon of the multitask learning and you know any of that kind of neural net type learning that's not going to matter to our grocery <laughs> customers at the end of the day. And they look at the website and we'll not even know what that means. All we need to tell them is we can drive results and we can solve a ton of these problems. We can solve that lettuce problem for you, right? That you've been trying to solve for 30 years. So cracking that code, I think was an essential piece of foundational work coming in.
0: I know. So many times you come in as the first PMM and you can almost tell that they've taken their like investor deck and made that the website, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, AI this, you got your neural networks, right? You oh, yeah. ML here, we're solving the. And you're like, but like, what do you do? Right. And so I'm so glad that you took two things that I took away, like the organization, a lot of times it is there, right? Uh, A lot of the foundational knowledge, they're doing customer research. They have the insights. It's pulling it from sales, pulling it from CS maybe, and then combining it, distilling it. I really like that. And then crisping up that message. How long do you think it was before you crisped up that message? Did you have the blessing to go and do so? Was it a challenge or a fight, you know, to ultimately get it accomplished?
1: I don't think it was a challenge or a fight and it took some time. I think one of the things that comes with joining a company at this stage is I hate to use this metaphor because it's maybe a little bit overused, but you really are building the plane as it's in flight, right? So in some ways you're testing the messaging live with customers right off the bat. And I think like coming in, it was understood like, this is what I was going to come in and do, right? I was going to come in and help crystallize, help tighten things up, help get some essential key assets out the door right away. So- I think it was more to the point of I came in not really knowing a ton of the industry yet, still just as I was writing the messaging and figuring it out, just getting feedback on was I really hitting the product benefits? Was I really hitting the pain point? And in this condensed way, because I've also found, you know, I think, There's a ton of long form storytelling we can do just with the scope of the problem that we're trying to solve, but we need to be really tight about it, right? So how do we do that? That was kind of the harder part was just really filtering it down to its essential.
0: Yeah. This is one of my favorite exercises too, as a newbie coming in, because I like it because it forces me to meet with a lot of different teams it forces me to go and like meet with customers, get Mm -hmm. their feedback. And so you're kind of socializing yourself, but you're also meeting other teams, you're getting their feedback. So now they're feeling heard and as they should be. Right. And then you're ultimately able to then kind of package it, bundle it up and say, here you go. This is what we're going to test out. What do you think? And then it's always evolving. Right. I mean, messaging Mm -hmm. is like never done. That's like, I want to dispel that myth right now. (laughs) It's like messaging will continue to be iterated on till the end of time because you know the problem changes or the tech has shifted and I just want that to be out there but I'm interested because we talked about how you kind of ramped up some of the first things that you tackled here but I want to jump back even further and say like how did you know that you were ready to jump into this role To be, you know, at the time you came in as a lead role, knowing Mm -hmm. that, hey, I want to be director, which we're going to get into right after this, right? So how'd you know you're ready to jump, right? You know, it's always kind of tricky to, because you were five and a half years at SIFT, which is, you know, that's like digital trust and safety Mm -hmm. to a food company is a PM lead.
1: Yeah. So how did I know? I mean, it was more a feeling than anything else, I think. You know, I was at Sift for five and a half years, and I started there as a customer success rep, and moved over to the PMM side. So I'd worn a few different, worn a few different hats there, and I think I was just ready for the next move. And the jump from Sift to Afresh, even though on the surface, like jumping from fraud prevention to grocery supply chain, it actually wasn't that much of a jump because the technology was similar. Both are AI powered solutions that are applying the ability of AI to look at data at scale to solve really hard problems and help humans solve those problems. And there's even a similar story thread. If you look at the fraud prevention landscape, There are a ton of legacy solutions where they're using rules-based. So if a credit card, if an IP is in Nigeria, right, block the transaction. And there are a ton of problems with that, which is why you bring in AI. And similarly here, right, you have the grocers using pen and paper, and now we transform (laughs) it to technology. So they're both kind of stories of transformation and disruption, if you will.
0: Yeah. And I want to highlight a couple of things because you were able to draw these parallels, which I think is going to be key. Anyone that's looking to jump into a new company, especially when it looks like on the service that it's a new industry, there's probably a lot of parallels in the job and probably in the tech as well. So kudos to you on that. And I want to dive in too, because customer service, talk to me about making that leap. And I promise we're going to get into you being promoted. I promise. But like, that's a question too. We get a lot of people asking, like, how do you make that jump into product marketing? And so Mm -hmm. this is a great time because you got to be a part of kind of that establishing team at SIFT for the Mm -hmm. product marketing role.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually will take it back a step to my WePay experiences because it's relevant to the build up to PMMing at SIP. So, you know, one of my very first jobs was actually as a risk analyst at WePay, which is a payments company now acquired by Chase Payment Tech. And so I was on the front lines. I was the one looking at fraudulent transactions and making those decisions and using the legacy rules based system. So I really understood the pain point of the fraud analyst and the fraud manager as they tried to do their job. And I actually found Sift because someone suggested, "Hey, maybe you should use Sift debt we pay." And I said, "Huh, I'm going to apply for a job here." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and actually, like you know, just the experience of that front line translated really well into customer success because I understood the pain point super well. And whenever I talked to customers, it was clear that I knew what I was talking about. And then it was just a matter of learning how Sift the product applied to their pain point. And then you know, the transition from customer success to PMM at that point, I knew the problem super well. I knew the customer base super well. And then there were just kind of adjacent marketing skill sets to acquire transitioning into the PMM role. And the head of marketing at SIFT at the time recognized the fact that I had two of the three and took the risk. And here we are.
0: That's so key. And I think if you're out there listening and you're maybe you're not in product marketing, you want to get into product marketing, that's how you do it, right? Again, I understand the problem or I understand the customer really well. I found that some of the best CS people make great product marketers because they do understand that customer and problem so well. And then at times they even understand the tech because they're having to answer all these questions about it or the issues that arise or they're finding bugs because realistically, they're probably a power user of your product. And so feel free to come on over on the CS side, come on over to the marketing side. Happy to welcome you over. Just make sure you can translate those skills over. So now you're a PM product marketing lead at Fresh, Let's catch everyone up. And you've recently, been promoted to director. So this is probably another chasm, right? So the first chasm is how do I get into product marketing? Now you've got, you maybe you've worked your way up, maybe you've associate to a manager, to a senior product marketing manager, you're mm-hmm. the lead director. Oh my gosh. So talk to me about that buildup and how you were able to make that case or what you had to show to get that promotion.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think just setting the groundwork of when I first came in, like, this is my goal, you know, and and having the conversations really early of if this is my goal, what do you need to see for me to have trust in me, to give me that title that I'm searching for. So I had those conversations right away and tried to make them as candid as possible with my boss. And I think also there's just a forcing function of the reality of the situation. I came into a fresh, not just as the first product marketing hire, but the first marketing hire period. So it actually gave me the opportunity Opportunity to showcase the fact that clearly I have a mastery of product marketing, but I also am capable of managing all of these other adjacent marketing functions to help elevate the brand, help get our message out there. And I was capable of, of doing those things and outlining the strategy and my own vision for how I saw the marketing team growing and developing. You know, I think that's probably another critical thing I learned early in my career is gaining those adjacent skill sets is Critical. And I think my experience at previous startups was great because I had seen marketing teams get built from the ground up and seen how they grew and expanded and just learned really well what those other teams were doing. That said, I don't know everything. So, you know, I actually asked for a lot of help. I have mentors that I talk to who are product marketers who became directors of marketing overall. I've got a mentor who's been strictly on the growth track, right? So I mm-hmm. think there's definitely a lot of, you know, needing to ask questions and being vulnerable vulnerable and admitting you don't know everything and you're not supposed to, but where do you get the help when you need it? And how do you know how to hire the right people to complement your skill sets?
0: Yeah, I think that one is definitely key when it comes to hiring. It's complementing of yours. I saw one was, you know, you should be giving up skills, right? Giving up tasks. And that's always a hard thing to do when you're the first person, you've established it, you're running everything. And now you're having to share your Legos, right? You're like, ah, but it's my Lego. Like, this is what I do. This is how I built it. You know, this is my wall. And so I wanted to ask you around moving into overall marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that this is a full podcast on product marketing, but talk to me about choosing to be director of marketing rather than maybe just funneling and focusing on the director of product marketing, for example.
1: Yeah. I think again, like I had seen different marketing teams get built from the ground up. I'd even seen marketing teams grow out of the product marketing function specifically and expand. So I think I was lucky in that I had a model for what this could look like. And I think in my experiences too, I did just get to wear a ton of hats. I wasn't just sitting at my desk, writing messaging. You know, I was helping run webinars. I was writing content again, because I knew the problem and the customer so well. And I put that liberal arts degree to good Use and I was like, That's yes, right. I, I can write. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> this is what my senior thesis prepared me for: <laughs> writing blog posts. <laughs> yes. um, so I think again, just the adjacent skill sets and getting exposure. I think being curious is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when we think about silos and companies, people think about silos between marketing and sales, and between marketing and product. But even within marketing itself, there can be silos between product marketing and growth yeah, and true. content. And I think it's just super important to be aware that that can happen and break those down and make connections and understand how the other functions do their job, because ultimately it'll help you do your job better too. And then you acquire these other marketing skills that can be applicable later on in your career.
0: Yeah. Someone I had a mentor once tell me career, you know, and this sounds similar, right? Where it looks kind of like an hourglass. So you start off kind of broad, you specialize and you get, you know, kind of skinny, and then maybe you get promoted now director of marketing. And now it's like wide again, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what's going on. There's so many skills I have to learn so many different types of marketing. And so that was a helpful visualization for me. But a question that I now have is, what happens to the product marketing team? So are you hiring? Are you gonna backfill for your role? Did you promote from within?
1: Yeah, I mean, the team in Fresh is now growing. I definitely want to build out the product marketing team. And I think, yeah, to that transition, right, to the sharing your Legos question, yeah. which is, you know, something I think I'm still mentally wrapping my head around. It is like, you know, I can't build the whole Lego set myself. And it just comes with that humility of, you know, I need other people as well as I think it frees up my time to, if I can extend this metaphor, find more Legos to build for. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's- One of my mentors said, because I was thinking, you know, hey, I'm getting this title, but I'm a product marketer by background. Maybe I don't need another product marketer. And they said, well, no, like, you know how to do the job. Now you need to learn how to do something new, which is be this director level. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, like that makes a ton of sense. I still need to process that and help let go of some of the things. But yeah, it's all about growth and learning. And I know how to be a product marketer. I need to learn how to be a director of marketing.
0: Yeah, that one's always going to be fun. So, if you're hiring at this time, we're going to make sure to share all these links because who wouldn't want to work at a Fresh and work under you? So, we'll make sure to share all those hiring links in the show notes to go check those out. But now it's kind of transitioning. We've talked a lot and I mean, really great experience and frameworks. I'm actually really curious now on your highs and lows. So, now I'm actually curious, what are the thrills and the chills of your product marketing career?
1: Yeah, I'll focus on a Fresh specifically because it has has been quite the ride about two weeks into my time at a fresh, a large national retailer came to us. And, you know, I'd come into a fresh am like, great, I'm going to build out personas. I'm going to get the messaging doc done and it's going to be nice and structured and everyone's going to know where to go. And two weeks in this retailer comes in and I just have to drop everything and put a sales deck together. And it's like, great. I don't (laughs) really know how the product works yet, but let's just try it. Uh, And you know, it's an immediate constant war room situation for every single call, getting in the room with the product team and the sales team and trying to build out the story and going through deck after deck. And it was really exciting. That's just kind of one of the main thrills, I think, of this stage, right? It's just like, you can't predict what's going to happen and exciting things are going to happen. And even if I compare this experience to any of the other startups I've been at, like this was a crazy ride. It's the, you know, the deal moves so fast. I've never seen an enterprise deal move that fast, which is just validation for, I think, the problem that is in existence. On the product that we have. And hopefully we'll be able to talk more about that <laughs> in oh, yeah. the future, but yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty cool, too. And one thing I definitely want to hit on, too, is, you know, we talk about these early stage product marketers, you know, establishing it, and it's really being comfortable being uncomfortable. It's thriving in the chaos. And you're two weeks in. And it's like, what? You want me to do, you know, oh, so you want me to put together a sale? Okay, I'm working on this, though, right? You know, it's like you had this idea of what you should be doing, what you should be working on, which we've talked about in earlier episodes, like a 30, 60, 90. And sometimes that just gets thrown aside. And you have to be okay with that. And if you're the type of person that's not okay, or that might frustrate you, probably not the time for you to be the first marketer at a company. So let's transition some of those chills.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I can use that deal experience again, I mean, I think it was kind of an interesting just microcosm of that early PMM experience because it was so early because everything was so new. We were testing everything live and, you know, not every messaging point resonated. And that was always chilling when we ended a call. It's like, also, you know, you're on zoom and it's really hard to gauge reaction (laughs) to messaging, (laughs) especially if the cameras are just off. It's like, I don't even know. I couldn't see them nodding. I couldn't see them smiling. I just saw like, you know, the letter. Or Jay, right? Yeah, like, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah. they're thinking. And that's kind of hard and scary because even just coming in, you know, theoretically, my greatest skill is doing this. But, you know, am I proving that I am good at this when I can't even read the reaction in the room? So that was always kind of chilling. And, you know, sometimes we've got negative feedback on the deal. And it's like, this is just such high stakes. Didn't want to mess it up. But, you know, I think that's just kind of the roller coaster you're on.
0: Yeah. And I think it also highlights that it's never done. Right. I mean, we talked about messaging being done. I mean, neither is the pitch deck. I think once you get the narrative down, you know, definitely stick with it, try to, you know, really fine tune it. But like that pitch deck, I mean, I don't know how many I went through. You know, I'm thinking at like my time at Quora. I know we were trying to build out this ads, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. what story is going to resonate with advertisers, right? And we eventually got there, but I mean, it took time. And so one thing I wanted to say too, I know you didn't mention it, but I'm going to call it out as a thrill, getting promoted within a year at a startup. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's also key because that's much more difficult at a bigger company. it's going to take a lot longer for maybe they only do it once a year performance reviews and especially that director level role. So again, kudos to you. And I'm sure that that's got to be a highlight.
1: Thank you. Yes, definitely. I think I'm still in the middle of that (laughs) role since it's so new, but I'm very excited about that as well.
0: Well, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on, talking to us about Fresh, your time there, what you ultimately tackled and some of those challenges, problems that you took on and some of those thrills and chills. That wraps up today's episode of Thrills and Chills. And again, thank you, Clue, for being a sponsor of this show because with Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals. Stay on top of your competitor's strategies and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. And a special thanks again to ShareBird for making this podcast possible. We'll see you all next Thursday.